This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Salmon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we continue our journey through the book of Matthew, examining the stories of Jesus' baptism and temptation. Yeah. So, every verse of Matthew. Brent, how about you just pick up? Let's just dive right on in today. Every pick verse. Up, pick Trademark. up right where you left off. Uh, or I think we're committed now. I think, I think I'm going to have to hold this you point, to this every verse a, thing. Yeah, we're going to have to, I think. We'll see how it goes. If you you know if you leave one verse out, it's like, well, what are they trying to hide? Exactly. So I think yeah, we're, we're gonna have to do it. I'll just have whole episodes where you just read massive chunks of Matthew. How about that? <laughs> uh, well, anyway, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, so picking up chapter three, verse thirteen. I'll tell you, Brent. That's how we're gonna get you into this podcast. I've been all around this country. It's a great country of ours. I've yet to be to Melbourne or Bama, Canada. Whatever that Mel- Melbourne, Mel- Melbourne. That's pretty much how they say it. That's, that's I'm probably still doing it wrong, but Bama it's like, down down yeah. under. Yeah, and we have a we have a we have a Bama, Canada, um, deer, deer run, deer, deer park, deer red, park, red deer, red deer, something like that <laughs> over there in Canada. <laughs> I haven't been out, but I've been all around this great country of ours, Brent Billings. One thing I got to say is people want more Brent Billings. People are people are done with this Marty Solomon character. They want to hear more Brent Billings' voice. So there uh, we go. We'll just do whole sections of reading. And I was right. It's Red Deer. Red Deer. Okay, Red deer. there you go. <laughs> All right, finish up chapter three for us, Brent. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Ooh, let me stop you right there. Because that's a real, we've, we've used that, uh, it's an interesting interchange. Like here comes Jesus, says, okay, I'm ready to be baptized. And John, very typical John, John the Baptist response here is like, whoa, whoa, whoa no, I'm, I can't even untie your sandals. You're the lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. Like I, I should be baptized by you, not you baptized under, like I should be baptized under your authority. Not you baptized under my authority. And Jesus' response is, it must, we, we must do this so that we can fulfill all righteousness. Like I've heard that verse used in a lot of different ways through my education and different things like that. But having looked at what we looked at last podcast, that phrase hopefully should help us make a little bit more sense. Like when you took on Essene baptism, you were telling the world, because the question comes up, right? When you have a Christian understanding of baptism, why is Jesus getting baptized? Like he doesn't have, he doesn't need to be have like, if you have a, like a sin issue, like some people see baptism as taking away of sin, like Jesus doesn't need that. But again, we remind ourselves Baptize of you in the name of the father and yourself and the yeah. Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Which brings us to the point, like that we're not doing a Christian baptism thing here. And yet I've heard people like use this verse to explain why we ought to do Christian baptism. Like these are not the same things. Like these two things are not the same things. But what Jesus is saying is Essene baptism is a statement to the watching world that I am choosing to walk the path correctly. Like when you take on Essene baptism, all the people there observing you, you're telling them, if you watch me, I'm going to walk the path correctly. You can now, you can now take it to the bank. You can, not that it's a claim you're going to be perfect. That's a Greek idea. Forget that. I'm going to make mistakes. Maybe not with Jesus, but a typical person. I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to walk the path correctly. Here is Jesus saying, John, I know about the authority thing. I know this makes you uncomfortable, but I need to do the baptism thing so that I can tell the world that I'm going to show them how to walk the path correctly. All right. 
Go ahead and keep going. So John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Got a bunch of notes for this podcast, cousin. We're going to have some presentations, some slides going along with your chapter breaks. I saw that on the airplane for the first time the other day. I was pretty impressed. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Yeah. Uh, well, well, yeah. I'm sure you'll figure There's it out. There's definitely going to be a presentation. There you go. There'll be a presentation in your show notes. And I'm sure Brent Billings will figure out a way to do this. I'll find a way. You'll find a way. All right. So here's some notes I got here. Let's see. So immediately following the baptism of Jesus, uh, he's going to be driven out to the wilderness. That's where we're going to head next. Um, and here Jesus is going to be tested as the Israelites were tested in the wilderness. But this time the situation will be a little different. Uh, but before we go there, we need to go back to the very beginning, Brent Billings, like the very beginning, like Bema podcast episode one. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and empty. We called that what in the Hebrew, Brent? Can you remember? Tohu vavohu. Tohu vavohu. Are we saying that right? We are. Okay. Good work. Tohu vavohu. Episode one. We once said, formless and void, wild and waste. If you put nothing into a what? If you put nothing into a, what do we say? <laughs> into a blender. Into a blender and hit whip. Chaotic nothingness. Tohu vavohu. Is whip really, like, have we fact-checked this with blenders? Is whip really the, like, highest power setting? I don't know. I don't know if it's a high, I've never really thought about it, but uh, we should fact-check Blenders have a that. lot of settings. We should check that. I don't know. We should use a standard blender, too, and not one of these, like, crazy QVC. Uh, yeah, see. Amazing 30-setting blenders. I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with the blender analogy, but I, I get your point anyway. I have trust in our listeners. I'll figure this out. I have trust. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering. Can you remember the word for hovering, Brent? Ooh, Merahefet. Merahefet was hovering like a—what what was Merahefet? means it hovers like a— Like a dove. Like a dove. Right? Hovers like a dove over the waters. The word for spirit in the Hebrew was, can you remind me? Remind me. Uh, it's a fun one with all the phlegm. Yeah. The, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I was just, ruach. Ruach. Good work. I was just spirit, talking about that with someone the other day. That's right. The word for spirit is ruach. The ruach is used for spirit and for breath, as well as what other word, Brent? Spirit, breath, and? Uh, wind. Wind. Surprisingly, the same three words are also interchangeable in the Greek. That is very rare. Like you rarely will see, like a word might mean something in Hebrew, like three different words in Hebrew could be one word, but very very rarely will those same three words still be the same three words in Greek. But it's yeah, also well, the same way. In, one one Hebrew word, one Greek word, the right. same three meanings out of each word. Absolutely. That's very rare. But it's, a, it's the case here. Pneuma is the word in the Greek, and it means spirit or breath or wind. Okay, And then God said, let there be light, and there was light. So God speaks, and order begins to come from the chaos. God places man in the center of the story and invites him to partner with the creator in managing, stewarding, exploring, and enjoying this new order. But this partnership is tested. That would be episode two. And as we all know, the testing ends with a great tragedy. So if we break down the story of creation, Brent's going to have a slide here for you. But uh, if we break down the story of creation, it centers around chaotic waters. Large bodies of water always symbolize chaos, that tohu vavohu we were talking about, and eventually evil. 
It will come to represent evil, chaotic evil in the Jewish mind. And we could whittle the story of creation down to this. Here's a a slide in front of you here that has these six uh, sections here. Chaos, the story of creation starts with chaos, and then it goes to water. The next part of, we started with Tohu Vavohu, and then we're told that the Spirit of God hovered over the water. So we've got Tohu Vavohu, we've got water, we've got Spirit over water, and then we have God speaking. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And then God brings order out of the chaos. And then the last one is that there, this, this order is now tested. Um, the word for testing and temptation are, are especially in the Greek, going to be a similar word that's used there. And so that testing or that temptation, but that order is tested and it ends in a tragedy with Adam and Eve. So what's the, uh, what's the next story you can think of with a big body of water? Brent? Oh, the flood. The flood. Let's see if the same template works. In fact, it does. We have chaos. The world had descended into the chaos. And so what does God cover the world The world with, Brent? With water. With water. And then uh, at the end of this flood, we're told that something blows over the water. What is that? The wind. The wind. The ruach of God blows over the water. And then God, guess what he does next in the story? He speaks. He speaks. He talks to Noah and commands him to come out of the ark. And the next thing is going to be order as ex- order as the expectation. And so the next part you have here on your slide, hopefully you're working your way through these slides here as we talk about each one of these stories. Each one of these stories should have its own slide in front of you. Order is the expectation. And so uh, Noah is expected to partner with God to bring order to chaos. And then that order that God has restored in the story of the flood is then tested. And that's going to be the story of Noah going out and planting a vineyard. And that story ends with tragedy, the tragedy of Ham and the curse of Canaan. That would be whatever episode that was back in session one. What's about the next story? What's the next story you can think of with water, Brent? Uh, let's see. Next one with water is probably going to be... Um, At least major water. We'll yeah. Qualify that. Yeah. So I guess probably the Exodus. Okay. We got with, the Exodus from the, Egypt. The crossing of the... Okay, crossing of the Red Sea. Okay, so let's see here. Uh, let's see if these six same six steps. Do we have chaos? The Israelites have descended into chaos. They are they are in a chaotic situation. They are coming out of Egypt with, well, I can't say nothing because they're coming out with all the stuff that Egyptians gave them. But they are pinned between the the encroaching army of Pharaoh and the Red Sea in front of them. And that Red Sea, obviously, being the next step here, which is water. The Red Sea stands before between them and order. And then, so what blows over the water to split the Red Sea, Brent? Uh, well, is it God's God's breath? Yeah, God's spirit, the over. wind, or however you want to read that. But the word there is ruach in the Hebrew, right? So the ruach blows over the water and the water divides. And so then uh, God speaks, God's spoken word, God speaks to Moses. And you can do that in two different ways. I could, I've heard people say he speaks to Moses at the Red Sea, or I've heard him say he speaks to Moses at Sinai. So I'll let you pick. Or both. Or both. Yeah, sure. At, at, at any rate, order is the expectation. Either that you're going to partner with God cross the Red Sea, or that you're going to partner with God at Mount Sinai and take on the Sinai covenant, but, but order is the expectation. But then that order is tested. Either it's tested immediately following the Red Sea on their way to Mount Sinai, or they're tested immediately following Mount Sinai by wandering, going up and refusing to enter the promised land. 
Either way, story ends with tragedy and you have the same six. Notice this is not like a fluke. This is not a coincidence. Every single one of these major water stories follows the same exact six-step template, the six-step outline. Uh, do we have another Old Testament story you can think of? There's going to be a ton, but we're going to stop. We'll, get, we'll do one more. I think you just referenced it. Okay. Crossing the Jordan. Okay, so crossing the Jordan, which they don't even want to do the first time. But then eventually later, after 40 years of wandering the desert, they come back to the Jordan River, and this time they're going to cross it. So do we have chaos? In fact, we do. The land of Canaan has descended into chaos. And so what do we have? We have water, of course. That's what happens in every story. We have water. Water that serves as a barrier, as a problem, as chaos. And then you have spirit over the water. Again, just like in the flood, just like in the Red Sea, the Ruach is going to blow over the water and the water is stopped up. And then God speaks to Joshua. He says, I need you to, and then the next uh, part of that is the order. I need you to partner with me. I need you to bring order to the chaos of Canaan. So I need you to, to follow my directions. I need you to follow my instructions. But then that is immediately tested with the story of Achan. The story of Achan, when he, at the destruction of Jericho, refuses to give all of the booty to God, all of the spoils of war to the Lord. And so that's tested and it ends in tragedy. And so um, when we get to the story of Jesus and his baptism, I would hope maybe if our biblical authors are thinking about the text, if it's in the text, if it's text to context, I wonder if we actually have the same template here at Jesus's baptism. I'm going to argue, as my teacher did, this is a teaching I definitely got from Ray, uh, following him around in Israel. This lesson came from Ray Vanderlaan, but he suggested this, and I think he's spot on. I got I got the same six sections here. I got chaos. The world itself has found itself in chaos. Maybe you can just put the Roman world, the Jewish world under the Romans, like whatever you want to do. But the world has the world finds itself in Jesus's day. The world finds itself in chaos, and so Jesus comes down to the Jordan River. We have water. Uh, next thing is you're going to have spirit over water. The ruach hovers over the water particularly Jesus, who is in the water. And the hovering has not been seen since the story of creation. This uh, You're going to have to do some Septuagint work here in order to make these connections. But the same hovering, the merachephet in the Hebrew. Obviously, I think Matthew is written in Hebrew, but I can't prove that. So we're stuck in Greek. But the merachephetine, it says that it came down and hovered like a what, Brent? Like a dove. Like a dove. I mean, that's going to be your merachephet right there. Uh, we haven't seen that specific reference of like a dove hovering over water since the creation. Uh, Could the author be insinuating here that we have a new creation on our hands? Maybe there's a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, that kind of a thing going on here. And so what happens next? Well, God speaks. He says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. God speaks and order is the expectation. Jesus is now going to spend the rest of his ministry partnering with God to bring order to chaos. But we have one more step that needs to happen. Brent, what is that? Temptation. Okay. We need to have we need to have this order, this new order that's been found, this new creation. This new creation needs to be tested. So maybe I should read this part of Matthew real quick. You should. Now, okay. before you even do that, oh. what, what has happened every single time, by the way? Well, we're going to fall into a tragedy of some sort. Exactly. Uh, going all the way back to the first creation, and then the flood, and then Exodus, and then the Jordan River, Every single story has ended with a testing, but the testing always ends in tragedy. Like, it would be safe to say here that every time this happens, this is a tragedy. 
Like, we never see success here. Like, just go ahead and pack your bags because we're going home, right? All right. You think you think a Jesus comes out of the water and then John sees him walk out in the wilderness and he's like, oh, no. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. This never ends well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> a good question. Go ahead and read us the story, though. What happens? I'm on All pins right. and needles over here, Brent. Beginning of chapter four. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. All right. So now for the first time in human history, this is going to end with a victorious triumph over chaos, not a tragedy. Uh, in this story of Jesus' testing, we are given a blueprint or a formula, if you will. I say that tongue-in-cheek because I don't believe in formulas in this regard, but satirical reference. Uh for success, a formula for success. How do you bring order out of chaos? We titled this podcast, How to Bring Order Out of Chaos. How do you do that? I got your formula right here. How does Jesus model for us what it looks like to bring order out of chaos? This time when a man is tested, he will respond, it is written, which is another way of just saying it's in the text. It's in the text. Jesus has the text in him. Jesus is prepared and ready. Jesus knows the path. But just like we looked at with the Essenes, we said that they they had more than knowing the path, Brent. What do we what do we say? What else did they do? Uh, knowing the path and walking the path. They have to walk the path. See, Jesus has to trust the story of God, going all the way back to session one here. Jesus can't just know the story of God. He has to trust the story of God. Like, I was reminded this week as I was just kind of walking, I was doing kind of a prayer walk this week with myself. And I was just thinking about the podcast and I was thinking we've gotten all all the way to session three. And I started to question whether or not as a teacher, I had lost the plot of my own material. Had I forgotten that this whole thing is about trusting the story? And I reminded myself we had a podcast coming up where we could go back and review all of this because that's what this whole story has always been about. Like if you've gotten all the way to session three of the Bama podcast, this is, do not let yourself lose what, what, where this story began and where this story will end and everything in the middle, because Jesus is going to take us all the way back there. It's not enough just to know the path. It's not enough just to have the synagogue and have the text memorized and have it all in you. You also are going to have to actually walk the path. Jesus is actually not just going to have to know the answers. He's going to have to actually trust the story. And we see him doing that in the temptation. Uh, he must be willing not only to get the text in himself, but he must also trust that text. So first I ask you this question as a listener. What would have happened if Jesus didn't have the text in him? 
Like if Jesus didn't have to know the path and to walk the path, let's just go number one. If Jesus didn't know the path, what would have happened? I know many Christians would say that the Spirit would have provided the answer, but that's not what Jesus modeled. The Spirit wasn't what provided the answer. In fact, the Spirit is the one who drove him into the desert to be tested in the first place. That's what the text says. So what would happen to you if the Spirit drove you into the desert this week to be tested? Would you have the text in you? Would you be ready? Because Jesus was. But it wasn't just enough to know the text. You also have to trust it. By the way, Satan knew his text as well. He quotes it during the temptation, especially during the second test. Did you know, by the way, I don't know, Brent, did you know this? Did you know that he misquotes the text? Did you know when he quotes his text that he actually leaves? Because he, he, he says, throw yourself from this temple because it is written like Satan. So Jesus says, well, it is written. Man does not live by bread alone. And Satan's like, well, I can play that game too. I got a verse to quote you. But did you know that he misquotes the text that he quotes? So again, I come back to the same point. Do you have to have the text? You would have to have the text in you enough to realize that Satan just misquoted text to you. This challenges me. This whole story of the temptation moves me because I don't know if I know my text well enough. Like if the devil started quoting text back at me, I'm not sure I would know my text well enough to actually be able to go, actually, devil, you just misquoted that. Let me quote it correctly to you. Um, but that's a side note, a PS to my regular point, which is that not only do you have to know your text, you have to walk it. Simply knowing your text isn't enough. You also have to walk in it. It's not enough for Jesus to know that man does not live by bread alone. He actually needs to wait upon every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. To know the path, to walk the, ta- the path, to bring order out of chaos. This is what it means to be part of a new creation. To be, to be a person who knows the path and walks the path, who trusts the path. Uh, this is uh, the formula, if you will that we find in Jesus' temptation for how to bring order out of chaos. Well, if there's any kind of formula, I feel like there might be uh, more to this story because these uh, this temptation feels a little bit familiar. You, you feel like we've ter- you've heard some of these uh, phrases and um, quotes before, have you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, that first one. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's out of Deuteronomy. I feel like we did a whole podcast on this already, right? Seems really familiar. Are you suggesting to me, Brent Billings, that there could be text to context here? There might be more connections. Well, there might be an interesting observation to make, which is in the other Gospels, these temptations are in a different order. Um, uh, I can't remember if um, both Mark and Luke switched them, but the orders are switched where... um, Uh, Test number two and test number three are flipped, but Matthew puts them in this order. And if you notice, where do you remember these quotes coming from, Brent? Where do you remember this whole man does not live on bread alone? Where have we talked about this before? Uh, Sounds like manna. Oh, okay. Our time in the desert, right? So if we were to go all the way back to session one, in fact, maybe you can even hyperlink these podcasts in our show notes too. Uh, We have three podcasts we did because we did the three tests of the desert right after the crossing the Red Sea. We said that God wanted to know what was in their hearts. And so God led them through, essentially, he led them through Shema. Like we learned Shema. Um, Shema Israel, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echad. Uh, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And so the Jews have always taught that in the desert, on the way to Mount Sinai, God tested those the three parts of that prayer. He said, will you love me with all of your heart? And will you love me with all of your soul? And will you love me with all of your very? 
and we did a podcast on every single one of those tests that we looked at. Well, the very first test was a test of, will you love me with all of your heart? Will you love me with your will? And we were told in the book of Deuteronomy that the corresponding post to that test was, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The second test was at uh, water from the rock right before they got to Rephidim. And that was where Moses said, but you're testing, you're putting the Lord your God to the test. And that's what Jesus quotes. Jesus is quoting all the passages. Jesus is, in Matthew's gospel, going through the exact same three tests that Israel did in the desert, and he's doing them in order. Only this time, he's showing us what it looks like to fulfill or to respond appropriately to these three tests. Now, we need to avoid this Christian idea of, I mean, so much bad replacement theology is out there. Like somehow the Jews screwed this up and Jesus got it right. So, you know, poo-poo on the Jews and hooray for Christians. No, that's not at all what's going on here. We are, we need to see the Israelites in the desert as our own representatives. They represent anybody who tries to walk with God in the struggle of the test. So when Jesus does this, it's not just for a victory for Christians and uh, condemnation on the Jews. It's actually Jesus taking on the role of Israel to say, remember Matthew is a what kind of author to a what kind of audience? Well, a Jewish author writing to a Jewish audience. So this is going to be their story. Like they're going to be very intimate with the story. And Matthew's going to be saying to this very Jewish audience, listen, guys, Jesus is showing us how to do all the stuff that we've been trying for thousands of years to figure out how to do. Jesus knew how to trust the story. Jesus knew how to live by the words that proceed from the mouth of God and not on bread alone. Jesus knew what it meant to not put God to the test. Jesus, Jesus is our example. Not Jews were a failure, Jesus is a success, but Jesus shows all of us who seek to follow God what it means to follow God correctly. And in that, I think, just like you pointed out, that's why we have this formula for success, this tongue-in-cheek formula for this is what it looks like to bring order out of chaos. Because we've been trying for thousands of years, and it's a struggle. And here Jesus shows us what it looks like to know the path and to walk the path, very essing of him. And we continue to struggle. We do. Let the one who's without sin throw the first stone. Yes. Be very, very careful before we start chalking ourselves up to the winning team. Yeah. We have we have much to learn. Yes, we do. So there's a lot of layers to this story. There there's is. probably more that we're not talking about that I'm not seeing. Oh, I'm sure. Just scratching the surface here. So, yeah, if, if you guys find anything else, um, please write in and let us know about that. Yep. Love to hear it. There you go. Uh, you can, uh, if, if you find something, you can uh, get a hold of Marty on Twitter at Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB. Uh, you can email us, uh, contact us on the BMO Discipleship Facebook page. You can go to BMODiscipleship.com. We've got a contact page there. All sorts of ways to get a hold of us. Um, talk about it in your discussion groups, whatever. But please let us know. Uh, I'd love to hear it. Um, maybe do some digging on, on how Satan is misquoting uh, the Psalms when he brings that up. Mm-hmm. Dig into that a little bit. Yeah, Plenty of questions left to answer. Always questions. Uh, it's kind of what we live for, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so it's what it seems like. It's what we do. <laughs> eventually, eventually we'll tie everything back together. But, yes, we will. Uh, as the as the rabbis say, you got to go around the block to get the to block. the next door neighbor. That's right. All right. So thanks for joining us on the Bama Podcast. We'll talk to you again soon.